What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. From the liberal Northeast comes a lone voice of truth. Honest commentary in dishonest times. Think deeper with Juan Newsom. This is The Cure Radio Program. This is The Cure. Hello, folks. Welcome to today's episode of The Cure. I have a special guest, um, Reverend Christine Coleman. She's originally from Rwanda. Currently, she resides in Denver um, with her family. Um, She is a devout Christian and a devout person of the faith. She works with Blazing Holy Fire Church. And then, and they come to you week by week. You can also catch her on YouTube uh, when they post their sermons. <clears throat> she is the author of a book, SOS Rwanda's 30-Year Collapse, where she describes events from the past and from the present that is going to affect the future of her home country. Um, Reverend Coleman, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And uh, I send my greetings uh, to everyone who is listening. May God bless you. May God bless USA. Thank you very much. I wanted to get your tape because we're, we're, you know, it's funny because yesterday I'm watching CNN and there was an expert up there, very well-respected guy. Um, he, you know, he was a law professor, Brian Stevenson, and he spoke about reforms and how the police departments around the country need reform. And he referred to the Obama policy. Now, I don't agree with all of the Obama policy, but I've read through that white paper and there were some things in there. And he named other countries that had meaningful reform in terms of the police. And he brought up Rwanda. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because, you know, we, you and I have talked um, offline and, you know, which is, you know, why, what led to this interview. I wanted to get your thoughts on that because, you know, I, from the outside looking in and from what you tell me, I don't think that there's been meaningful, meaningful reforms in terms of law enforcement within the Rwandan borders. Yes, you are right, and I agree with you. Uh, the reform that you hear in Rwanda, it's just advertisement. Uh, it's something that you hear and you see it's real, but uh, it's not real uh, because the police in Rwanda are very well involved in all sorts of brutality. Mm-hmm. There are many thousands of people who have died in police custody. Uh, And so my my advice is that this expert, whoever he is, probably he should get a copy uh, of my book and uh, he could be very informed uh, and then uh, tell what is the truth, Mm -hmm. uh, not the lies that Mm -hmm. we hear from uh, the government of Rwanda. Thank you. He mentioned Germany too. And I, <laughs> you know, I'm not so sure about that one either. That was another reference. The, the thing is, yeah, when it comes to policing, see, see this is what happened here, um, Reverend Coleman. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. In the 90s, I was a ba- ba- barely a teenager in the 90s, but there was this incident in Los Angeles and the reason why I'm, I'm going to give you the background on why the police have been so militarized. So there was this incident in the 90s, and I think these guys robbed a bank. 
And so these guys robbed this bank. The police got there kind of right on time and pinned these guys in a corner. The problem is these gentlemen, they had fully automatic weapons at the time. And so they basically outgunned the police. It took, it was a long standoff before they were able to apprehend these guys. And so that's why you see, when you see the police department having like tanks and armored vehicles and so forth, it was, it was basically because of that incident. They, you know, police, police departments around the country decided that, okay, we're not going to have, we can't, this can't be a widespread thing and we're not going to let this happen again. That's why you, you ever see any incidents there's never any long standoffs anymore. There used to be, you right. know, when I was a kid, I remember long standoffs. <clears throat> Even if the assailants or the suspects didn't have that type of firepower, but not so anymore. Um, because the police, they're, they're getting federal training guides. Um, they're more heavily armed. You know, police have um, a lot, a great deal of more protection protective and preventative equipment than they have today surveillance technologies i mean you know it's the police has you know they have the leg up now um for the most part so that's why you see these police officers and they're you know they have these you know these barricade lines and these shields and that 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 was kind of the driver and so, you know, he mentioned Germany and Germ it's the same way. Most most European countries have kind of a militarized police because these are, you know, when it when when violence and what have you escalates up to that point, they do any and everything to quell it. Um so I just thought it was interesting. I thought I'd bring it up. Um mm-hmm. base, basically, you know, this whole um situation with George Floyd, what, what's your take on that? Before we get to your book, I know you're anxious to get to your book, but what do you think about it? Yeah, um, you know, I have been praying for what's going on in the USA right now. Uh, I do believe there is a, a force behind what's going on. My belief after praying and discerning and watching uh, is that this is, to me, this is not a black and white issue. This is more than that. Uh, this is uh, uh, some people who are trying to uh, bypass law and order. This is uh, something probably more political and more demonic than uh, what we think. Uh, I do believe, uh, you know, and I'm so thankful uh, for the law enforcement. You know that they are here. Uh, they protect us. We go to sleep. They are watching over our streets, mm-hmm. over us. I have so much respect for the law enforcement as to why they might use weapons. Uh, it's because, you know, they need to restore law and order. And as you say, the summertime, you don't know when they get called, when they receive a 911 calls. They don't know what's on the other side. And so uh, having weapons is uh, uh, very important, uh, but not to be used for brutality. So they have to restore law and order. But I think what's going on right now with the rioting, uh, we can see the fruit that is coming forth. It's now good. Uh, protesting is good, but when protesting has a violence, then it's more than what it should be. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and from what I've seen from the videos, there are actually legitimate protesters that are there peacefully. And then there's another group that are just there to do harm, you know, to cause violence and to cause strife. And, you know, my thanks to the protesters that are there. I can understand protesting because, you know, that's what this country is built on, free speech and freedom of speech. And, you know, it's a right in this country and it's a protected right. So, I, you know, I I definitely applaud those who are there protesting peacefully 
And, you know, extra thanks for those that are trying to, that are getting in front of these rioters and trying to stop them from causing any damage or any harm to the businesses there. So now, Reverend Coleman, (laughs) I love your book. I've learned, I've learned so much that I wouldn't have otherwise known because it's always better to hear a first person testimony of what's going on there in the wrong, because the media, they just kind of whitewash um, the things that are, you know, that are um, happening there and they, they gloss over it. Um, especially the Western media. And I, particularly, you know, I want to blame CNN International because they you, they have access. That's really our go-to um, for international news. And they have access. You, they have access and, you know, they have insider information and so forth. But, but now I know, according to our conversations and from what I've read just by doing my own research, the Rwandan government has been really cracking down on the flow of information. Um, I wanted to get your take on the current regime. And I know we talked about this before, you and I, but the the audience that I serve, they they may not know. I wanted to get your take on the current regime and what's what's kind of taking place right now that we should we should have an eye on. Yes, yes. You know, as we talk, even before I came into the studio, uh, there are people all over sending me emails from the country, just crying, saying they're killing us. They're killing Hutus. And mm-hmm. when these things happen, uh, they happen without the international community knowing, mm-hmm. because the first thing that... President Kagame did was to kill independent journalism. So independent reporters have been either jailed, exiled, and many, many of them are killed. Even right now, as we talk, there is a uh, one of the few remaining independent journalists who, um, because maybe he might not be accepted, he decided to have a... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. many thousands of people were watching. Uh, just about a month ago or so, they just put him in a jail. Uh, and so many things are happening. And nobody knows about it. So you ask me, uh, what is your take on the regime? Think about the dictatorship uh, that is beyond probably what we have heard mm-hmm. so, so far. Think about North Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about uh, China, maybe even a, a government that is beyond China because they have their people trained in China. I was speaking to one of the journalists Actually, who has been in Rwanda and he has made a movie and he said, compared to Hitler, um, you know, and Kagame, mm-hmm. uh, Hitler is a novice. So when I hear you talking about Germany, 
I'm thinking about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the same thing that has happened to Rwanda, and it's still happening. However, unlike what happened in Germany, the international community came together. They stood together as one, and they say no to this. Mm-hmm. But so far in Rwanda, it's happening, and nobody is talking mm-hmm. about it. But two things I want to inject in here. Number one, last week, it was in the news, at least the Rwanda news, that U.S. and the U.K., they have teamed together and they had a review of the naming of genocide, uh, where U.N. and, of course, the government of Rwanda, they had changed the text about the Rwanda genocide instead of being called the Rwandan genocide, mm-hmm. Kagame lobbied so much that UN passed a resolution which uh, named it uh, genocide against Tutsis. And by naming it the, that, that way, uh, it would make Kagame look like innocent. The genocide mm-hmm. was committed by only Hutu. These are the evil, wicked people. But me and all the Tutsi, we are innocent. We never shed any blood. And that's not true because mm-hmm. that blood has been shed for a long time and it's still being shed today. So the government you have today, it's a government that kills its own people, but hide it to international community. It's a wicked government and I exposed that in my book. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I want to say, uh, you you know, I hope it's okay that I might have a different view about CNN. I am not a big fan of CNN. And I hear you, there's a professor uh, who is an expert talking about Rwanda. Definitely, I don't agree with him. But in the past, I would have to say, that when reporting a political prisoner in Rwanda, CNN Mm. has done a great job. They spoke up for Diana Ruegara, Mm -hmm. uh, more than Fox News. You know, I love Fox News. I watch Fox News. But they Mm -hmm. have done a great job exposing uh, the dictatorship of Kagame more than the conservative media. And Mm -hmm. I do think the conservative media should be the one speaking up because they stand for those value, but for some reason they have covered up Kagame's crimes. Well, that's definitely true. Um, definitely, you know, Fox being, a, for example, being a part of News Corp, um, they do have an international arm. For some reason, you know, the information doesn't flow as much. I will say CNN does have more mm-hmm. of a global present in terms of news coverage. Oh, okay. um, I would say in terms of genocides and things that happen like this, the blaze will probably, mm-hmm. under conservative media, will probably be the best source because I, you know, I remember, you know, subscribing to the blaze a while ago and, you know, during those wars in the Middle East, you know, Christians were being slaughtered. Right. And nobody was saying nothing except for the blaze. See, and even CNN missed that one. I mean, Christians were literally Syria, Iraq. I mean, they were being slaughtered. And no one was saying anything except for Glenn Betts Network. Oh, the blaze. okay. So the blaze is uh, the one with uh, Glenn Beck. Yes. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I, I agree. He does cover a lot in the actuary. I should get in touch with him, but you know, it's not easy to get through. You just keep sending email, hoping that somebody somewhere will read, but I had not been successful getting my story through. Well, you know what? You know what? Um, Reverend Coleman, our mutual friend knows Glenn Beck, so you may want to pull on her coattails a little bit. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Please! That's just... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so very good, very good. Thank you. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. So, 
Kagami. He was born to a Tutsi family. And so the Tutsis are controlling the government. Is that the way you've explained it to me? And the yes. way I've read it? Yes. So if we can uh, just lay foundation a little bit. In Rwanda, there are three tribes, Hutus, who are 85% of the population. It's the big majority. Uh, now you have the Tutsi. At the time, I believe they were about 14%. And you have a Twa, uh, who are a very small group of people, 1%. Now, back in the days of monarchy, the Tutsi uh, were the ones who, um, the, the, the line of the king issued from the Tutsi. Mm-hmm. However, during the Rwanda Revolution, uh, things changed and the power was given to the Hutus and the uh, democracy kicked in uh, and the, the presidents began to come from the uh, Hutus who are the majority. Mm-hmm. So by the time when the genocide happened, um, the, 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 the president that we have was a Hutu. I would have to say that under his regime, we never seen killings. Under mm-hmm. his regime, we never seen people being incarcerated, people being kidnapped or tortured. Um, I told you, if you go to the State Department and look at the report before 1990, you will find the Rwanda that has zero history of killing. But when Kagame comes, uh, he waged war uh, in 1990 against Rwanda. So Kagame actually took power by military force. Mm-hmm. And when this happened, when the genocide happened, there was uh, a peace deal that was reached because after fighting with the, the Rwanda Hutu government for four years almost, the Rwanda Hutu president decided to sit at the table. They negotiated and they reached a deal where Kagame's Tutsi government will be included. And uh, um, this never, it, it started happening, but the process was aborted because Kagame shut down the plan of the president of Rwanda. And this is what sparkled the genocide. But before the shutting down of this government, Kagame, a Tutsi, mm-hmm. and his army, they had been engaged in three years of killing left and right in Rwanda because they came with guns, they came with weapons. All mm. he cared for was about power, not to just bring in the Tutsi who had been in exile. Uh, and uh, you're right. So he's uh, a Tutsi. And right now, even though the Hutu are the majority, uh, they have zero voice inside the Rwanda. Right now, the Hutu are seen as objects that needed to be oppressed, killed, mm-hmm. and destroyed. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and I know I'm going to bring this up. It's a sore, sore hot spot, but a lot of countries, I know particularly in Africa, and I know Rwanda is one of them, they receive aid. They receive aid it's from Western countries. And a lot of this aid, you know, I read a lot. And one of my favorite economists is um, Dr. Dambizo Moyo. And she has this book. I knew it before then, but she goes into a lot of detail. And she has like a half a chapter on Rwanda. And she talks about Kagame and the aid and, you know, how he makes excuses on why the country isn't more developed when we're giving them this aid. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically the aid is going to sustain the current regime that's in place that's oppressing the people yeah so rwanda received a lot of money uh during the time of obama especially uh they increased to over 100 millions uh Mm -hmm. they give it to the rwanda this is now something they will give it to burundi that's now even near to what they give it to other countries so rwanda is an uh, a top receiver of foreign aid coming from USA, uh, especially during the time of the Clinton, uh, there was a big corruption to where 
uh, the government of Obama will give millions. I think one of the time they gave over 120 million to Kagame. And then mm -hmm. what Kagame did, he became a donor to Billy Clinton. You get that corruption right there? Oh he my God. A donor. And where does this money go? Because right now, uh, when uh, you talk to the people in Rwanda, they are very hungry that they are begging you to give them even five pounds of beans. When I send $200 to someone in Rwanda, after two weeks, it's gone. After two weeks, completely gone. Wow. But if I send $200 to a pastor in Uganda, that money is going to last the pastor in Uganda for two months. Wow. You see the difference? Now, where all this money going? Now, the money is being used to kill people. The money is being used because Kagame has... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The network of his... Um, assassins and the, uh, the, the people, his intelligence, they are all over, even in the USA, the money is going to do things like that. And instead of the money developing the country. Now, when the West look at Rwanda, they say, oh, well, it's developed, but it's because when they go to Rwanda, there is a specific area they are not allowed to go to. You know, Kagame has his own people, the interpreters, even mm -hmm. chosen by the government so that they take you where they want to deceive you. They take you to the five-star restaurant. They take you to this place that they have built. I call them the whitewashed tombs. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you look outside, it's shiny. They make it shiny for the West. But if you were to dig a little bit, you know, beyond the white wash the tomb, you will see that there are bones and the rotten uh, things inside. You want to know the real Rwanda? Go to Rwanda. Don't take the government uh, guides and interpreter. Employ your own and go in the countryside. Go in the remote area. Go to the prison because even right now, if you go to the prison in Rwanda, they won't let you talk to the prisoner face mm. to face alone. They have always to give the government a person a present. What are they worried about? What are they hiding? Mm -hmm. And so uh, coming back to the aid, uh, when Trump got any power, there has been a little bit of progress where he has reduced the aid. But I do believe they really needed to review the policy. They need to match the aid to the uh, United States, uh, the Parliament report on Rwanda. Because if you look our report right now on Rwanda, we are competing with North Korea. We are competing uh, with China as far as human rights are concerned. Rwanda has the worst human uh, rights report that you can see on the entire planet. Mm -hmm. So uh, my request is that the aid that the West gave to those governments, it should match the human rights reports. Otherwise, 
when you give it to somebody, oh, they are developing, they have the healthcare system that is working, uh, but we need to put lives above everything else. Uh, you know, uh, th there are many things that are happening, good things to the eyes of the West, but they need to know that there's things that are happening to the expense of lives. There, there is blood that is being sacrificed every single day. Wow. Wow. I saw where, I saw where in your book, um, particularly, I believe it's in chapter two, when you spoke of the Christian persecution and there was a Rwandan gospel singer, Kazito Mihigo, right, and they found him dead. Um, and you highlighted that if you don't do what Kadami says, you will be a dead man. Um, he released a song titled not the meaning of death and it was a message of reconciliation and unity according to the text could you speak on that a little bit more yes the story of kizito mihigo is a very sad story because this was a holy man this if there is anybody to give a noble peace prize this would be the man he is a man uh, who during the, the genocide, you know, he was a young man and he's a Tutsi. Where during the genocide, his father was killed by Hutus. Mm. And mm -hmm. after the genocide, thank God he survived and he came with anger and uh, uh, he comes back with the planet revenge. But he, he had an encounter with God. After this encounter, God teaches him love and true forgiveness. Besides that, he became one of the most talented gospel singers, mm -hmm. not only in Rwanda, but in Africa. At the age of 19, he had composed over 200 songs. Wow. Uh, and uh, Rwanda sent him to study in Europe, so he went, he studied the music in France for 10 years. Oh, nice. Years. So when he came back, he's like the Mozart of Africa. Mm -hmm. But with that talent also, he had an encounter with God to where he is among the few young people being a Tutsi would date a Hutu. You know, the hatred between uh, the Hutu and the Tutsi during the genocide was as such as couple of divorce. If they were different tribes, they divorced. But this yeah. young man, after the genocide, he forgives that he's not even afraid to date Hutus. Wow. Well, Kagame did not like that. When he composed the song, he made the song basically advocating for everybody saying okay we cannot be tied to the past we need to look beyond and especially he said that because right now the government of rwanda is even going after the children who were born after the genocide because their parents were hutus the government of rwanda is attributing the sins and the, the hatred uh, to the forefather, and they see uh, Hutu children like murderers. And so he stood up, he fought against that, but he didn't fight with a gun. So he mm -hmm. uses the talent and he composed a song because Kagame did not like the song. He called him to his office and he had his people uh, telling him basically, you. If you don't do what the president does, you are a dead person. So because of that song, they jailed him. <laughs> and he was in a jail for four years. But when wow. they jailed him, they tortured him. That in front of the TV, he came and he confessed that, yes, I was going to kill the president. But it was all lies because when Kizito was in prison, he wrote a book, but... He does not tell anybody. He does it in a secret. All the prisoners in Rwanda, if you have been tortured, they tell you if you say anything about your torture, 
we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. So many people in the prison in Rwanda, they've been tortured. He was also tortured and he was told you never say anything. So uh, in uh, 2018, I believe it was the end, he was released from a jail because the international community kept pressing on Kagame, you can't do this. How can you explain that everybody, anybody who has ever dared to run against Kagame, they have all ended in the jail, just within a short time before the election. That's how he does the things. And so because of that pressure, Kagame released Kizito. And when Kizito was uh, released, mm-hmm. he was told, you cannot talk about peace and reconciliation. You cannot get a passport. Uh, so uh, Kizito saw that wow. they released him from a small jail to a big jail because the whole country is a jail. So what he did, he's a, a three thinker. He decided to flee the country and uh, he went. Uh, he found the back roads, but what he did not know is that the whole country of Rwanda is a tracked. Everybody who has a cell phone, they track you. The cell phone company, instead of working for the citizens, is being used as a tool to spy. Mm. Mm. And so he was being tracked. He was arrested near the border. It was big in the news. That was uh, the beginning of this year. So they put Kizito Mihigo, the most loved musician, the most talented, prominent artist of Rwanda. They put him in a jail, and he's a, man, a young man, I believe, uh, in his thirties. Uh, they put him in a jail, and then after two days, they announced that he has committed the suicide. But that's not true. Wow. Uh, because when they, they, they refused his family to prepare his body for burial because the body had the marks of abuse and the torture all over. United States raised the issue with, together with the international community, asking independent, uh, you know, investigation, but the Rwanda hurried to bury him and when the people viewed the body, it had marks of torture over the face. Yeah. Wow, that is absolutely bananas. Excuse my colloquialism. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. The, this wow. Kizito was a uh, kid because he is a Christian. The government of Rwanda is anti-Christ, one hundred percent. But they have a few churches that they present to the community, international community. But basically, these churches, in order to function, they have to be in agreement with the government. They have mm-hmm. to say yes to the government. But other than that, uh, the real church in Rwanda is underground. The church you see outside, functioning and working openly, they have to agree with the government. Wow. You had a lot of traumatic experiences there, too. Um, oh, yes, because, you know, I lived uh, the genocide. I saw the genocide when the genocide was there. In the book, I talked about my sister. Yes. I was at her house on April 6th. And uh, the year is 1994. Uh, when uh, that day... April 6, 94, I was supposed to spend the night. I was supposed to stay over for a week because mm-hmm. I had come from the university on Easter break, and my plan was to stay over at the house. But, you know, God has a plan for each one of us. Something inside of me pushed me to leave her house on April 6, 94, in the afternoon. Mm. After I left her house that night around 9 p.m., we hear the news that the president of Rwanda was shot by Kagame's army. And uh, because of that, my sister, who lived very close to where Kagame's forces in Rwanda were located, 
my sister was not allowed to leave her house. They put roadblocks, and the Kagame's people came, and they killed many people who lived in the neighborhood by, oh, the, wow. by, by the building where the Kagame's army were. And so if I did not leave that place, I, if I was delayed six hours at my sister's house, I was going to die as well. And so I survived that tragedy so that I may tell the world what's going on. And uh, uh, then after the April 6 event, it was a three, uh, three months of killings, wow. massacres. And the killings, I'm sorry, they were being done by Kagame equally and they were being done by also the Hutus because the Hutu got angry. And of course, I'm not excusing any killings. No killing should be justified, no killing whatsoever. But I want to throw it out there to the people who have been told that the Hutus are the only one who kills. No, Kagame was killing equally in the areas that he controlled mm. to the point where over 800,000 people were killed in Rwanda within three months. Now, Rwanda is a very small country, mm -hmm. uh, very, very, very small. And 800,000 people being killed within uh, That's three a lot months. Of people. It's a lot of people. So there is no family uh, that we know of that did not lose people during that tragedy. Bodies were everywhere. The country smelled so bad, and the dogs and the bees in the forest, they got fed from feeding on the bodies of people. In your book, you describe that night, April 6, 1994, as the night two presidents were assassinated. Yes. I'm just, I'm just bringing that reference in. Yeah, it's very important to know that the president of Rwanda I'm not saying he's a holy man, but the way I knew him, he was a not a person who had the, the killing in him. Mm -hmm. That was not him. He, uh, so he had gone to a meeting in Tanzania, and in that meeting, he went together with the president of Burundi. Now, mm. Burundi had conflict for many years between Hutu and the Tutsi, because they also have the same tribes. But for the first time in Burundi, they have, uh, I think for the second time, they have a new elected Hutu president in a democratic way. And it is a president of Burundi went, he's a new president. He went with the president of uh, Rwanda and they went to Tanzania to meet with Kagame. On mm -hmm. the way back, they did not know it was a trap. It was a setup. When oh, wow. the president of Rwanda was landing, his plan was shot down. Now, there has been many cases in the courts, and I think the, uh, the wife of the president of Rwanda has won the case, but many experts have said, if we want to resolve the problem of Rwanda, we need to go to the source. And I agree because the source is whoever killed the president of Rwanda and Burundi, he's the one who should be sued. He's the person that the international community need to talk to because this very one is the one who sparkled the massacre and the genocide that followed in Rwanda and in the Congo to this day. Mm, mm -hmm. How did you get out, Reverend Coleman? And so from my sister, I left the April 6th. I go to the countryside and the reason why I was leaving, it's because that's where my siblings were and I miss them. And that's where my grandparents lived. I decided to go there. When I go there, it's 50 miles away from the Kigali city. And there are roadblocks. You can go back to Kigali. And the war became so bad between Kagame because after Kagame, 
shot down the president's plan, he positioned his army to take over the country. Mm. However, they had reached a peace deal where they shared the power in the Rwanda Congress, in the government. And so he, he violates all of that peace deal. And so the fight between the Hutu army and the Kagame's Tutsi army became really bad. The mm -hmm. international community supported the Kagame, uh, you know, because number one, he was very product and they believed everything, every lies he was telling them. But right now they are beginning to find out. Right now, they see that he's a dictator. And so uh, in the countryside, uh, life became really tough because the roads are closed. And uh, I decided, okay, now the only way we're gonna survive, we are in the countryside, let's begin to plant uh, potatoes. Let's begin to work in the field, that way we get food. And we began to do this, but day by day, the war is getting bad. The whole country is full of refugee, rioting and killings. Mm -hmm. And I survived, number one, by the grace of God. But also, my family, we were a mix of, uh, you know, there are Hutu, there are Tutsi. And, uh, you know, we, it's, I would say it's the grace of God, really. Uh, and we had to run away to leave our homes because Kagame's army was approaching and we knew them from the very beginning. They didn't respect human rights. They always killed uh, everybody and they employ uh, children as soldiers. So we ran away and uh, I found myself in the Congo by myself because in fleeing the country, mm. you're talking about over you know, millions of people running. Uh, we, we lost members of the family and I lost my siblings and I found myself in the Congo. I would just say it's the grace of God wow. because even more people were being killed by sickness, by disease, by lack of food and water. Wow, wow, wow. Ended up in the Congo. That had to be yes. something. Wow. When did you come to the U.S., Reverend Coleman? So when I got in the Congo, I was able to be employed by all these non-profit organizations that were putting in to help refugees. Mm -hmm. I made my, uh, you know, a, a couple that would later on become my American parents. Uh, mm -hmm. I worked with them in the Congo and they really liked me. Kagame was doing a propaganda saying all the people who run in the Congo, they are evil, they are Hutu, mm -hmm. who have caused the genocide. But that was not true. They were the most beautiful people that you would find. Even the international community, when they came, they were shocked to see that the warning they were given doesn't match with who we are. So they liked me. Uh, they tried to bring me to U.S., but it did not work for uh, a while, for almost two years, trying to come. It did not work. Then Kagame attacked the refugees in the Congo. Yeah, I read about killed, that. Yeah, and killed so many millions of people died as a result. I was forced back to Rwanda. And when I get back to Rwanda, uh, I, that's when I really become a strong Christian. That's where my faith grew because I was in a place where I know the government is killing people. This, uh, basically, from a genocide, Rwanda moved into democide. That's when the government is now killing people. And through that, my faith in God grew. And God spoke to me and he said, don't worry. I will bring you over. I will bring you to United States. So I left Rwanda in 1997. And mm -hmm. I came basically to go to school. I went to school, finished, graduated, worked, ran a business. And right now I have left everything to serve God. Wow. Wow. 
Man, what an amazing story. And you you ba- you summed up your book really well. <laughs> oh, really? Thank you. You, you did. It, it's it's an excellent book and I'm going to recommend this to my listeners on my site and um I'll have this episode up right away and I'll um send it to you as well. Man, thank you so much for sharing your story. I thank mean, you, this... thank you so very much. Every voice we get out there, it is victory because millions of people inside the Rwanda, they are begging us to speak up because they have no voice. So I thank you for this opportunity. And please pray that more doors open so that not only me, but other Rwandans who know what's going on, they have a voice to speak up. And I do believe together with international community, we can put an end to this many slaughter, to this uh, genocide that is going on inside the Rwanda state. We need to get this book in the hands of the State Department, um, someone that's there. They really need to read this thing and look at some of the insight, some of the first person insight that you have because there there is a lot here to unpack yes that you are right you are right thank you oh well thank you so much i really appreciate it and we'll have to have you back again and i'm gonna Anytime. look at this i'm gonna look at your service that you sent me <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> thank you bye-bye this is the cure Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.